my beautiful friends. My name is Kim and I hope you're having a fabulous day today. Today we're going to be talking about baby Kalia McNabb. Kalia was only two weeks old when her life was taken away in a cruel and horrific way. The case has more twists and turns to it. Just when you lift your jaw off the ground from the last thing, it's like bam, another and another. This case has it all. Let's talk about the very sad case of Kalia McNabb. Warning, today we're going to be talking about another very crimey child case that involves DV and incest. Yikes. Baby Kalia McNabb was born September 23, 2017 to her parents Courtney Bell and Christopher McNabb. They lived in Covington, Georgia. Let's start with the parents. Mom Courtney Marie Bell, born March 29, 1993. Courtney was raised by her grandparents as well as her dad as the mom just wasn't part of their life. Courtney's mom had seven children total, seven children that her mom would never take care of. Courtney didn't even know her mom until she was 12 years old. She had met her mom earlier, but thought that she was just a family friend. She would find out when she was 12 because she was rummaging through the car looking for a cigarette and came across a hospital bracelet that had her birthday and her mom's name on it, Pamela was her name. So she put two and two together. There is so much wrong with what I just said. First, she at 12 years old is rummaging through a car for cigarettes. And second, she found out her family friend was actually her mom because her mom lied to her about who her mom was. This is a drop in the bucket, honestly, to what's to come. Courtney wanted to get to know her mom from that point forward. But their relationship didn't go anywhere as Pam, Pamela, wasn't interested as Courtney. And it sounds like they didn't really get along anyway. Maybe some trust issues? Who knows? The dad, Christopher Michael McNabb, born March 23rd, 1990. Christopher had been getting in trouble since he was a very very young age, a record that extends back to as young as eight years old. You know how your child can do no wrong? Chris's mom would describe her son as a child from hell. She, in fact, couldn't handle her son, so he was raised by his dad. He had run-ins with the law a few times, but we will talk about that starting when he was 15 years old, which that charge was for criminal trespassing and stolen property. A week later, he ran away from home. His dad reported him as missing. He was at a Best Western Hotel when he was found. Not long after this, his dad called the police and stated that his son had stole his smokes and he had to tackle him to the ground to prevent Chris from leaving, in which Chris punched a hole in the kitchen wall. Chris claimed he was beaten by his dad, punches, and with a belt, but when the police checked his body out, they didn't find any bruises, so Chris's claim was just dismissed. Chris was then again charged with criminal trespassing and damage to private property. Property. Obviously, this wasn't a good month for Chris because just about a week later, his stepmother reported Chris for burglary. She said her bedroom had a deadbolt on it and he broke through it to get into her room. Could you imagine having to have a deadbolt on your bedroom door? She would state that she needed it because a week prior to to her installing the deadbolt, Chris stole over $300. What did a 15-year-old do with $300? Well, Chris got a cab, rented a hotel room, and bought some, some green. I would have been so livid at my child. I'm sure they were. Well, that deadbolt did not stop Chris from breaking it right off the door and he stole a reported $7,000 worth of jewelry. He is reported as a runaway a few more times. One when he cut off his ankle bracelet that was placed on him after one of his arrests. This kid did not care. He was going to do what he wanted to do 
and avoid any kind of consequences at all cost. He was again charged with family battery and running away, but things got a bit more serious, not as if what I mentioned already wasn't serious enough, but Chris then at the age of 17 kept breaking into a factory called Woods Fabrication. He would steal the truck right from the lot that it was parked at the company and run it through their chain link fence and then break in. Chris was doing the most. Isn't it criminal 101 not to break into the same place twice? Well, I guess Chris didn't get that memo. Chris was charged with multiple counts to name a few, theft by taking, criminal trespassing, and larceny. Chris repeated the same thing two more times. Well, actually the owner made a report that his business had been hit five times total. Chris was charged all over again for the same counts. I don't know how he is still out roaming free, but then Chris being a complete bonehead stole a PlayStation in a car from a house he was hanging out at, I guess some friend's house. He was arrested again. He finally spent a couple years in prison. You would think he learned his lesson, but not at all because five weeks out, he stole his dad's car got in a high-speed chase trying to get away from the police. He eventually hit a curb and blew out the tire and was forced to stop and then he started running from the police. He was not done. He did manage to get away, but then he was finally found around 2 a.m. I mean, they knew who he was, but anyways, they arrested him and he went to jail. When I was learning about this case, I was questioning why the dad would allow him to re-enter his life when he was 21, especially because he caused him so much grief. But the father would say that he thought that his son would have learned his lesson after he spent the two years in jail, hoping that he would turn his life around and that Chris would get on a better track. No such luck. Chris was out of control. In 2013, Courtney and Chris were introduced from her mother, Pam. They had a lot in common, so they started a relationship. What did they have in common, you ask? Well, both of their moms weren't part of their life. They both loved drugs and they were cousins, first cousins, keeping their bloodline intact, I guess. Chris's dad and Courtney's mom were brother and sister. Although they never knew each other growing up, it's just not right. Actually, it's illegal, but as we will learn, the law doesn't really matter. They fell in love. Their relationship was an off and on again relationship and very dysfunctional to say the least. Chris was arrested a few more times. Chris and Courtney would claim they were married and referred to each other as husband and wife. Even if they wanted to get married, they couldn't. Cousin husband Chris would say he was embarrassed by the relationship, but he isn't going to apologize for it. The family was also embarrassed, especially Chris's dad. His dad became more accepting of the relationship when they started to have children. They had two children together. Courtney apparently had an IUD that fell out, and that is how she became pregnant the first time and delivered a healthy baby in 2015. Courtney had, however, been pregnant by another man, but ended up having a stillbirth. Chris wasn't around for the first baby's life until she was a year and a half. The baby was two at the time of this case, so basically most of her life. He was in jail because Chris doesn't know how to not be in jail. Chris at this point started not only a criminal career, but his tattoo journey as well. I love tattoos, don't get me wrong. They can be so sexy if they're done well. This is not sexy. Face up or lace up? You guys let me know in the comments what that dirt bag means by this. I actually did look it up on Urban Dictionary. The meaning is to get ready and keep on going through the struggles of life. Made popular by rapper MGK, Machine Gun Kelly. Chris McNabb 
idolizing a rapper who dates Megan Fox. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. But jailhouse tattoos on your face? So he gets out after spending 14 months in jail and meets his daughter who was living with Courtney and Courtney was living with her at her dad's house. Her dad's name was Tim Bell. We will talk a lot about Courtney's dad, Tim. Chris would say him and his daughter had a close bond immediately. Courtney would get pregnant again with Chris's second baby soon after he got out. So they decided it was a bit crowded at Tim's house and they got their own trailer home in Covington, Georgia. With a population of just over 14,000 and a trailer park that was home to criminals and known domestic calls. Not family arguments that got out of hand. No, more serious as far as a man set his trailer on fire, killing his three children. I should cover that case. It's William David Riley Sr. But anyway, this was not the ideal place to raise children, but it got them out of Courtney's dad's house. The trailer was a two-bedroom home, but the couple and the two-year-old slept in the master bedroom. They had a bed set up next to theirs for the two-year-old. The other bedroom was basically a catch-all storage junk room. Courtney described this room as a toy room, and most likely it had started out as a toy room, but as time goes on, it became just a catch-all and things got out of hand. So anyways, it's a small living space and this was a place to put stuff. It makes sense. The place looks small based on the pictures. Courtney didn't work. She was what they called a stay-at-home mom. Hardly a mom, but we will get to that. Chris worked on and off with his dad, bringing in income for the household, which was never enough because the dads of the both Courtney and Chris would constantly be giving them money. Like their neighbors that often had police at their home for domestic, they were often called to the McNabb Bell household as well. Courtney was told by a friend that she always had bruises on her. Not often, not a couple times, always had bruises on her. While very sad and hard to imagine, but the two-year-old that had to see her mother being beat by her cousin brother, which sounds like it happened daily. It's just heartbreaking how scared this little girl must have been in her own home. It got so bad one day, a neighbor called and reported that he was seeing someone break out the windows at Courtney and Chris's house, which was Chris in a fit of rage. Now enters the world Kalia Claire Noella McNabb. At five pounds, six ounces, she was born four weeks premature than her due date. She was a a tiny fighter as beautiful and innocent as she could be. Courtney was discharged as normal after her two days, but little Kalia had to stay a few more days to receive antibiotics to make sure she was as strong as she could be before being released on September 27th. A couple days later, on October 1st, Courtney goes over to her cousin's house to use her phone because Courtney dropped her phone at Walmart always Walmart in these stories, but her phone subsequently broke and Chris didn't have an active phone, so Courtney's cousin Megan let her use her phone. But then Courtney asked her cousin, can you watch the kids? Mind you, it is her two-year-old and her eight-day-old baby. Megan had four kids of her own. Courtney didn't say where she was going or how long she would be. So after a couple days, Megan understandably was overwhelmed and couldn't get a hold of Courtney. So she called her mom, who then her mom called Courtney's dad, Tim Bell, to please help. It was just too much for Megan. So Tim goes over and picks the kids up. Tim is not happy because he knew that Courtney was on a bender. Courtney and cousin boyfriend Chris liked their meth. Drugs were pretty much taking over their lives at this point. Tim had given Courtney a PT cruiser a couple months back to borrow so she and Chris could get around. Chris claimed he prepaid $600 for insurance for the car 
car. So when Tim came to pick up the car on his way home from picking up the kids with an extra key that he had, Chris was in a rage. Tim pulls into the driveway, you know, grabbing the car, and Courtney sees that her oldest, the two-year-old, peeked her head up. Courtney took her oldest out of Tim's car, and Tim, with the help of the parents, drove off with the PT Cruiser, leaving the two-year-old with Courtney, but not by choice. But he did have the newborn still. Courtney calls 911. Here's that call. They took my car. Why did they do that? I uh, said that they were taking my kids. All right, what address did they take them from? All right, is that Eagle Point? Yes. What lot number? Uh, 30. 30? 31, ma'am. And I came to a friend's. Where are you at now? Sarah. I'm sorry. Where are you at now? Um, I'm trying to find my friend to get her address. Hey, what what's your address? What is your address? So they just they just showed up at your cousin's house and took Yes, ma'am. It's crazy. And they didn't give you a reason why? They said that they were taking my kids that I had left them at my cousin's house for a whole day and a whole night and I mean, I don't see an issue with that. My cousin has kids, and they were playing over there. Okay, so did your cousin contact them to come pick them up? No, not at all. I've talked to her. And she lives right there at the village park, um, like not even a quarter mile from... Uh, I got my daughter, my two-year-old, and they went back to my cousin's house and got my newborn. My kids spent the night with my cousin, uh-huh. <laughs> and they came today and took them. Okay, so do you have your two-year-old right now, or they have them? Yes, she was in the car with my papa and my nanny when they all pulled up. And I took her out, and then a uh, lady I know gave us a ride to my friend's house. Okay, hold on just a moment for me. Then Tim, the dad, calls 911. Newton County, 911, where's your emergency? Yes, ma'am. Can you send a police out to my house? Drive, Cousin in Georgia, 30014. Yes. Drive, what's going on there? Yes, ma'am, it's containing my grandchildren. You have got to call police dispatch now. I'm on the phone with my daughter, but she won't let me talk to the police, okay? Okay. She left both her kids. They abandoned both her kids last night at my niece's house. My niece called me today at 4.30, could not get in touch with her or the daddy. I went and picked one of the young'uns up, the two-week-old up. She snatched the two-year-old out, out, of, out of the car, so I come on home, okay? Well, she, I, I called Mr. Philip Bradford. Mr. Philip Bradford is one of my buddies. Uh, he worked for the city police department when uh -huh. I got back home to find out what I need, needed to do, okay? Uh -huh. He supposed to be sending me a number uh, through text. For the 1-800 for uh, 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 the defect number to where you can yeah. call them, okay? Uh, yeah, so oh, so right now, hold on, let me try to figure this out. So right now, you have the baby right now? I have the two-week-old baby sitting on my kitchen oh. table in there. Okay, yes, all right. And so your daughter is not there right now, the daughter or the father of the baby? No. So you uh, just have no, questions no. on what you can do with the, the, about the situation? The father... I think he is on the run from, from the police, okay? Okay. And where does your where does your daughter live? Well, she lives at the trailer park on 36. Used to be Pine Valley. I think it's Eagles, Eagles Landing or something like that now. Okay, hold on one second. Okay, thank you, ma'am. A bunch of back and forth, but what ends up happening is the two-year-old was given back to Tim so things could cool down by suggestion of the officer. So now Tim Bell has both kids again and the car. This car was just unacceptable that Tim took it from them. I'm not sure if Courtney really cared that much about the car, but her cousin boyfriend had a huge 
huge problem with this. You take my kids, no problem. You take my car, now we have problems. Chris attempted to go and take the car back from Tim, but he parked it in a way that you couldn't get it out. So Chris thought of a great compromise. He said to Tim, I'll let you keep the kids longer if you give us back the car. Chris, as we know, is a slime ball, but him going as low to make a trade for his kids for a car is low. But this isn't the lowest Chris will go. Courtney telling the father she would like to get the kids back. Tim said as long as she cleaned up the house, because he would describe it as a pigsty, he would bring the kids back. So Courtney agreed. She got to work. She cleaned it up. And so on October 6th, the children were returned to Courtney and Chris. The newborn has already lived a colorful life in the first two weeks of life. On October 7, 2017, this call was made. I just woke up, my dog woke me up on the couch. Um, I have a two-year-old and I have a two-week-old. And my, my two-week-old is not in her sleeper. Her passes on the floor. She's not in her sleeper? I She's not in her sleeper. She, she, she's not here. I've looked everywhere. I've looked under clothes and everything. What's your address, ma'am? Yes, lot 31. Do you think somebody took her, ma'am? My child said, my, my, my two-year-old said she's gone. And, and I've looked everywhere in the house, so I don't, I don't know another possibility. What lot number are you at? 31. Okay. And you said you were sleeping, woke up, and she was gone? Yes. My, my, my two-year-old came and woke me up. That's how she's on the couch. How old is she, ma'am? Two weeks old. Okay. And you, who else would have come in your house? I, I mean, as far as I know, nobody would have came in my house. My two-year-old says Papa, but I called my dad and I called my grandparents, and they don't have her. Okay. My dad's on the way here now. Okay. Uh, All right. How long have you been asleep? Um... The last time I woke up with her was around, I guess, five, maybe. Okay. So you were asleep since five o'clock? Yes. I didn't even mean to fall asleep on the couch. I sat down for a minute after dealing with her all night. Or can you tell if someone's been there? Is her blanket there gone? Um, her blanket's gone. Her passy's here on the floor. Her blanket's not with us. I don't know where... I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's with her. Okay. And I have clothes and totes, but I've looked all in on it. She's not here. Anything else missing, like a baby bag that she would, that she would have or anything else? No. Her bottle's here on top of my shelf. Okay. What about no, it, 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 in my bathroom on my vanity. I'm sorry. Ma'am? Huh? What about anything else that could possibly have gone, like, could be hers that could have gone with it? Um, no. Nothing else. Just her and her blanket. Okay, so the only thing is miss that's missing is her and her blanket. Yeah. You didn't talk to the dad or a grandma or anybody else? Uh, dad was here with me. Dad just left, and, and he's walking around the park looking for her. Because my two-year-old says, I asked her, did somebody come in and take her? And she said, yeah, but I don't, I, you know, she's two, so I don't know if right. I can play that or, or not. Did you look through everything, like under the bed? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. Kalia! All right, what's your name, ma'am? Courtney Bell, C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-B-E-L-L. Just to let you know, Courtney, they've been on the way out there. I'm just getting this information to update them, okay? Thank you so much. What's your phone number? Um, I'm not sure of this number. I, uh, my phone busted the other day. Um, okay. This is my grandmother's phone. She's been letting me use. All right, so you and the dad both were... I'm just trying to get an understanding so I can let them know because uh, of the questions that they're asking me. You and the dad both were sleeping or he just came back home? No, me and him woke up together. She woke us up together. Okay, okay. the two-year-old woke uh, y'all up and told y'all that the baby was gone? Yes. Okay. She and she was kind of freaked out. I mean, it, I don't I don't know. Cause she was just standing there beside the couch in the corner, and I told her come here, and I loved on her, and then I told my baby's dad to go check on Kalia, 
And then he's talking about she's not in here. She's not in here. Okay. Well, the police should be in the area now. Thank you. Uh huh. I'll go ahead and let you go. Okay. Thanks. Uh huh. The officers arrive at the house. Courtney has a shirt on that says, "I'm not bossy. I'm the boss," which is ironic because she has a black eye. just cleaned by Courtney, but there was still a mess going on. You can see from the body cam footage, so they take Courtney's statement, which you heard some of it on the call, but what she also said is that she fed Kalia, she changed her diaper, and around 5 a.m., Chris and her put her to bed. Courtney then fell asleep on the couch. She wasn't intending to fall asleep, but she did. Chris would join her on the couch and would fall asleep. When they awoke by the two-year-old just after 10 a.m., that is when they noticed that Kalia was gone. Chris wasn't at the house when the officers arrived. They asked Courtney where he was. You know, where's the dad at? He was here and he left. Well, apparently he went in the woods to look for Kalia. I don't know why he would go in the woods to look for a two-week-old that couldn't walk, but that's what Chris did. When they asked her if she saw him leave, this is what she had to say. What did you, did you, was your husband actually here? Did you actually see him leave? Yes. To go look for the baby. Y'all got the wrong idea. No, we're trying to clarify. We're trying to clarify. My two-year-old woke us up together. When he went, I sent him back there to check on her while I was loving on her because she was freaking out. I didn't understand why she was freaking out. She was standing right here, crying. I was laying right here. My husband was asleep right there. She was, as you can hear, 
very defensive. The search began. This would continue into the following day. They brought in canine dogs to aid with the search as well with no luck. What is odd is the dogs did head out to the woods following the same route that Chris had made as he walked out from the woods to the officers. The couple was taken to the police station and questioned by investigators separately. They started with Chris most likely because the dad Tim Bell had showed up and told the police that's your guy and pointed at Chris. Nevertheless, Chris spoke about the relationship with Courtney's side of the family and how they didn't get along. Chris would go on to say he worked for his dad, which really wasn't true. He didn't work that day. And he got home from doing this work with his dad. He checked on the kids. They were fine. And then he fell asleep on the couch with Courtney. And then, of course, he was woken up by the two-year-old. He goes on to explain that the two-year-old in the past had picked the baby up. So he wondered if she had something to do with it also saying that she had never hurt the baby when she picked her up. He's a scumbag that is so low that he would pin this on his two-year-old to get out of a crime. He would say that his family or Courtney's family most likely would not have taken the baby, but did name one guy he thought maybe could have had something to do with it, and his name was Matt Lester. Why does that name sound familiar? Lester. I don't know. Matt and Chris were friends turned enemies when Matt broke into his trailer a couple months back. Chris said he confronted his friend Matt after he found out that it was him that broke into his house. Quote, I beat the hell out of the guy. I'm not gonna lie. He would tell the police. Chris would go on to say that Matt had it out for Chris and was telling others he was going to get back at Chris. But then Chris would also say that he doesn't think he would be the one to come in and take a two-week-old. Chris would also say he was hesitant for Courtney to call 911 because because he was worried about going to jail. Chris was worried about himself, which is endless in this story. It's almost exhausting thinking about how much this kid thinks the world revolves around him. They would ask him about Courtney's black eye in which he said that Courtney and another girl um, he was sleeping with got in a fight. Chris was often running around cheating on Courtney and Courtney was known to chase Chris around, catching him cheating like the gem we talked about in the Kendrick Lee story, Chris liked to say, you know what I mean, a million times. I won't torture you through that interview, but I'll play a clip of him later. Courtney would say the same thing, but added that they put a sleeper in onesie on Clea before they laid her down, but did find the sleeper that they put on her in the bathroom after she went missing, which was very odd, but then said that the baby most likely just got hot and Chris took it off of her to cool her down. They woke up just after 10 a.m., like I mentioned, and that she was a light sleeper and didn't know why she didn't wake up to someone breaking in, a car in the driveway, Kalia being taken out of the house, footsteps, nothing. She heard nothing. Courtney really did seem confused about what happened to Kalia, and she kept just asking the officers when she could go out looking for Kalia. But they needed her to answer a few more questions before they let her go. They asked her about the pacifier they found next to her rock and play. Courtney would say she typically locked the doors, but had forgotten from time to time. Both Chris and Courtney would also lie about drug use, as one would expect. There's no surprise there. So the officers don't have any reason at this point to arrest either Courtney or Chris. So they were brought back to their home. Here is Chris's statement to the reporters. But I want my kid back, man. That's my child, man. I want my kid, man. That was helpful. Anyway, Chris and Courtney stayed the night at Courtney's cousin's house. The following day, her mom showed up at the cousin's house. At this point, she hadn't spoken 
Courtney and Pam hadn't spoken in a year, but she ended up going to her house, to Pam's house. Courtney had an interview and she needed to get cleaned up for it. She was going to plead to the kidnapper to bring Kalia back. So this was an important interview with reporters. They then leave the house in the car, driven by a woman named Lauren Mackey. Her toddler son was in the back seat, Pam was in the passenger, and Courtney and Chris were in the back seat with the toddler. They were going back to the trailer when Courtney got a message from her cousin and her cousin's mom. It was they were both trying to get a hold of her at the same time, and they stated that Kalia had been found. Everyone in the car just started freaking out. Courtney would say that she had hope at this point that Kalia was still alive, but Chris just went off and left field saying he was going to go to jail. They're going to think he did it. Courtney asked him how he knew that she wasn't still alive because at this point they didn't know she was gone. Chris still freaking out just jumps out of the car. He sure didn't help the situation by going on the run and Courtney wasn't that much better. She asked the driver to pull in an area which was known for being an area that sold drugs. Instead of rushing to her daughter's aid, she wanted to stop and get her fix. When I first heard this, I thought that drugs do take over people's lives, and I tried to be understanding, knowing that it was a very stressful time, but then I remembered that this is a newborn baby, two weeks old, that was taken from her home and had been missing for 24 hours. Addiction is tough, I get it, but considering the circumstances, she doesn't get a pass. It's scummy and it's wrong. Lauren refused to stop anyways because she knew what kind of area this was and just headed back to the trailer. They would find out that Kalia was found in a Nike drawstring bag in the woods from their trailer, deceased. She was found by some locals that were helping with the search. In the bag held a light blue blanket, a men's gray tank top, also known as a wife beater, and just five pound Kalia. She was taken in for an autopsy. The results would be shocking. Chris on the run and Courtney left alone. They drove to the sheriff's office so they could get an interview with Courtney. Courtney would change her tune about Chris, the abuse, and the drugs. She would say that Chris hits her all the time and she still had bruises all over to prove it. She is also saying that she never thought he would hurt her baby, that he always was good with them, but now she is not convinced he had nothing to do with it. She wanted him caught so she told them the phone number of which he had, that maybe they could track him by this phone. It was a track phone with no minutes, but she thought that there was data on it. She then said she couldn't remember because the car was so chaotic if when she was talking to her cousin Kim, if Chris was still in the car or not. But she was told that Kalia was gone while they were in the car and it was done with the speakerphone on. So she doesn't, she doesn't remember if Chris jumped out before or after. It's a very traumatic time for everyone. So the fact that she doesn't remember and everybody's memory is completely different isn't a surprise. The investigators asked Courtney about any backpacks or bags that are in the home. Courtney, without knowing the bag that Kalia was found in, described it to a T. The bag had come from their home and the bag belonged to Chris. The investigators would say, if you know anything else, because we know you lied to us yesterday about Chris hitting you, if there's anything else, and Courtney cuts him off and said, we do drugs. But that doesn't make her a bad mama, she would say. Look, Courtney's mom abandoned her, so her bar of a good mom would have been so lowered. I completely get it. But this mom abandoned her weak 
old baby with her cousin for a couple of days. She had her 14-day-old baby in her home for a total of something like five days. Come on. Her children saw her beat often. She would say that Chris was tending to the baby alone in the back room while she fell asleep on the couch. Chris's dumb self is walking around the woods. It's raining outside, so he's dirty and soaking wet when he goes into a Chevron gas station. He bought a Pepsi and was ranting about how he was innocent and he didn't do it. Well, other shoppers in the store called the police to report that they saw him because he was on the news and he was a wanted man for probation violations. So then Chris was picked up and interviewed again. He would say that he heard that Khalil was gone by Kim, who Courtney had on speakerphone. Chris said that Kim kept saying, Chris done it. Chris done it. She was found on the side of the road. So that is why Chris acted the way he did, Chris would say. Chris would then admit that he was on drugs that day the day before, and many days prior. Chris was on drugs every day. Chris would add that they did met, had intercourse, in which Courtney went to the bathroom to clean herself up, and the baby awoke. So Chris went to get her to feed her. Courtney said not in the living room to Chris because of the smoke, so Chris went out on the front porch. He then came back into the house and finished feeding her on the bed. Courtney now with them, they change her diaper and swaddle her and place her in her bed while Courtney goes to the couch. The officer asked Chris about a profile picture he posted to his account at about 5.30 in which he got super defensive about and said he doesn't remember every effing detail. He just knows he didn't kill his little girl. Here is the tough part, the results of the autopsy. Kalia suffered blunt force trauma to her already fragile head. I won't get into all the details. It, it honestly makes me nauseous. I'll leave a podcast below for more information in regards to the research and presenting of this case. It's the hardest part to me, so I apologize. It's just... It's just too much. Two weeks old is just what keeps going through my mind. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that makes sense as to why the baby lost her life by the hands of another, especially her father who will claim his innocence to the bitter end. He is just a gross human. The investigators are now charging Chris with hitting Kalia with an object causing her death. He was denied bond. J.C. Hardwell and Sun Funeral Home Services donated their services so Kalia could have a proper burial and Abolt Company donated the casket. She would have a private service with her family. She was buried in a church cemetery in the area. Chris would go on to blame anyone else but him. He would blame anybody else with a pulse. And that's not discluding his cousin girlfriend Courtney either. Chris really has the self-preservation thing down. A plus for being a complete douche. Courtney, in the meantime, is homeless and more addicted to drugs than ever. She and another cousin were arrested when they broke into a home. Later, she would be indicted with second-degree murder, cruelty to a child for Kalia. So her B&E was moot at this point. Chris was indicted for first degree. Courtney and Chris would be tried together in the same court proceedings. You can find the full trial on YouTube. It's long. I'll warn you, lots of dead space, but it's it's available to check out if you like. I'll link it as well. They show up to court. Courtney, off drugs, puts on a few pounds, and Chris got a few more face tats, one being Kalia's name on his face. Like I said, he has the whole self-preservation down. He got it right before his trial, but this tattoo is poetic to me because he has to look in the mirror and see her name and hopefully, 
hopefully he will remember his actions. That is, if he has a conscience at all, which I, I, I'll question a few times. Apparently around 7-ish, Chris was texting a friend on Facebook. This same friend is who Chris tried to pin it on earlier. His name is Shane Kidd. Shane Kidd, in my opinion, had the most damning information about Chris. On top of Shane's testimony, a girl that Chris was talking to on Facebook also got similar messages. Side note, a lot of these people that testify in court, in trial, are in prison or jail themselves. So this would prove that Chris was awake. He said he went to bed at 5.30, but he was awake well after 7 a.m. So the defense would say something to the effect that it was his appearance as to why he was being charged. It, it, it was watered-down claims, honestly. It just, his appearance is why... Whatever. Okay. So that, anyways, that's the defense's strategy. The prosecution would say that he was awake and that he was the one who had the means. His backpack also. The jury came back after the deliberation of only an hour with a guilty verdict for Chris. I wonder what they did with the other 55 minutes after they took their vote. This is the best part of the story. This part is almost comical. There is nothing funny about this story. Nobody, absolutely nobody cares what he has to say. But he continues with an outburst and has to be removed from the courtroom. Sentencing proceeded to happen. The prosecutor disclosed his full record to the judge, including juvenile offenses that started at the age of eight years old as an aggravating factor. Then they called Dr. Priscilla Faulkner, a mental health professional who had visited Chris in county jail to do an evaluation on him. Well, as she was interviewing him behind the glass separation, Chris tells her to look up at him. What she sees is Chris in his turtle suit with nothing under it, with his junk out pleasuring himself. What the... I watched an episode on reporting live from the sofa. He covered this case as well. I'll link his channel below. He would say that he thought Faulkner was going to talk about the mental state, the psychological stuff. He, in a million years, would have never guessed what she was actually going to say, so far from anything that he could imagine. And I couldn't agree more. Like, He's in jail for the death of his child, and he takes the time to do this? He's turned on? Uh, ew! And that poor woman had to see that. But it doesn't end there. Chris is so mad and is raging that she told the court this. I'll play the part so you can hear it firsthand. This will go down in the books. Since I'm pretty sure by my, my the law states that I have a right to confront my witnesses who accused me of doing wrong. So I felt like I wanted to say it in front of her since she was the one up here slandering me. And that's all I got now, to say. You sure you don't want to talk about the sentencing and all of that? That was the only thing you wanted to tell the court? I mean, that's I haven't heard anything about a sentence. I was just well, commenting on that. I understand the charges. that. And I just wanted to know if you had anything you wanted to say to the court. I mean, I got a lot to say. I got, I, I got a lot to say, but I'm not going to be able to say half of it. I don't know, because I don't know what you're going to say. I'm innocent. I didn't do it. Okay. I've, I've maintained that the whole time. I feel like there was things that were allowed to be said that should have never been allowed to be said and didn't have no, nothing whatsoever to do with the case and what was being said. Just because somebody has domestic abuse issues with their spouse doesn't mean that they would put their hands on their kids, which has also been pretty much proved that I've never touched my kids in any harmful manner whatsoever. I've never harmed my kids. I didn't even hear anything that said that I had done anything to her in front of the kids. So that doesn't make sense either. And, you know, just let the record show that I, I, I don't think I ever, ever put my hands on her in front of those kids. And I just don't, I just don't feel like just because somebody has domestic issues with the female in their life that they love, that they were just able to just say, oh, he don't love you and all that stuff just in front of everybody or whatever, which doesn't matter. But... I just don't understand how you find somebody guilty 
of doing something to a 15-day-old baby because there was no evidence whatsoever that proved anything about me putting my hands on my kids. I've never done it. I never would. I don't believe in it. I was beat as a child, and I don't agree with it at all. And I would never do it. I would never do this. That's all I got to say. I would never do it. I'm innocent. Well, I can make a lot of comments on what you said. I can make a lot of comments on the trial, but I know that was just be arguing with you or talking with you. I'll ask you one simple question. You claim you're innocent, so you tell me what sentence the man or woman that you claim did this should receive. If you ever find out who did them, they deserve to be under the jail. Okay. So they ought to get the maximum sentence. Most definitely. Okay. On the crime of malice murder, I sentence you to life in confinement without parole. On considering the death of another, I sentence you to 10 years in confinement consecutive or after. Count one. Do you understand each of your sentences? Yes, sir. I want to advise you that you have 30 days after today to file a notice of appeal. It'll be filed. On this case. I'm going to instruct Mr. Carter on behalf of you to file a motion for a new trial to make sure your rights are protected. If you wish to allege that Mr. Carter did not do an effective job, then we'll bring in another attorney to handle the appeal uh, so that issue can be raised, and that's fine with Mr. Carter. He takes no offense. I think he that. did an incredible job. Well, that's fine. I'm just indicating to you that in order to uh, claim your attorney at trial was ineffective or did not do a good job, you have to raise it at the earliest moment, which would be here. I won't be filing anything against my, my attorney. That's fine. Uh, I also want to inform you that if the case is appealed, if the Supreme Court of Georgia affirms your... Just amazing and well-deserved. Chris is gross and there is no reform for him, in my opinion. Courtney would cry and say she didn't do it. The jury didn't find her guilty of having anything to do with or helping or witnessing or anything to do with the death. But she didn't protect her children from what led up to that day. That she chose drugs and McNabb over her children. She was sentenced to 30 years with 15 of them to be behind bars and the balance on probation. She got an additional 10 years, but that will run concurrent with the 30 years, so really it doesn't matter much. Kalia was taken away way too young for a reason that will never make sense. Although the parents will serve their time for their actions, this doesn't bring Kalia back to the family that loved her. Just heartbreaking. Sometimes it's the smallest things that make the difference. Kalia's death will not be in vain. She saved her sister from a life that a child should never have to live. I hope that she is safe and happy in her new home. You guys let me know what you think about this one. This was a tough one. Two weeks old? Well, if you guys have made it to the end, especially this one, I think this one might be a long one. You guys are rock stars and I love you to death. Either way, stay safe, my loves. And remember, if you see something, please say something. And I'll see you in my next one. Bye.